Let's dive in, and uh, we're going to go into this one uh, quickly. I can cover this pretty quick, and then uh, we'll take some questions maybe at the end, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, pastor asked me, he said, I'd like you to do a session on discipleship. And I said, Pastor, I taught on discipleship last year, and I've taught on discipleship most every year. And, uh, and last year was kind of a little more philosophical in the discipleship path. I think that's available uh, on the Striving uh, website on the podcast. So he said, I'd like you to do uh, the practical side of discipleship, literally, step by step, how do we do it here at Lancaster Baptist Church? So that's what this is. And if you're looking for something different, again, not going to send me at all. But this session is going to be a very practical, how uh, does continued discipleship operate here at Lancaster Baptist Church from beginning to end. And I do hope from that perspective it'll be helpful and a blessing to you. Let me just say this and we'll pray and dive in. Thank you for being here at Spiritual Leadership Conference. Thank you for taking time away from uh, your ministry and family and investing a few days here. I don't know about you, but I was encouraged and challenged by this morning, and uh, all three uh, sessions were fantastic in spirit and in content, and uh, I'm sure uh, you, like me, desire that we would have that kind of a culture in our church, impacting the culture of our community, certainly uh, a heart and a spirit uh, like that centurion, and, and the only time that Christ marveled for a good reason was his faith, uh, as you study the life and ministry of Christ, and I always love that. And, uh, and then the collaboration that Pastor Abel talked about is so desperately needed in our church and then amongst uh, churches, sister churches as well. Uh, so it's been a great morning. Thank you for being here. You might feel like I'm on a little information overload and I'm hungry and all of that. So we'll be sensitive to that and try to get right to it and uh, then get you to lunch. So thank you for being here. Let's pray and we'll dive into this section. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here and being a part of this conference. Thank you for the spirit of it, the theme, not to be ashamed of the gospel, and the excellent spirit uh, that every delegate has brought from their church uh, to come here to be encouraged, to be equipped and edified, and to leave here to be more effective in living and serving you. And Lord, I pray that you would bless this session as we look at discipleship and some practical nuts and bolts. How does it uh, operate exactly. And Lord, I pray that maybe something uh, from how that happens here would be gleaned and used in other places, that other churches would be a disciple-making factory. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless uh, the simple thought shared in this session for your honor and your glory. And we'll praise and thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. I remember we were part of a uh, meeting prior to uh, COVID. So this would have been probably late summer, early fall 2019. And Pastor wanted us to do uh, several lengthy, lengthy meetings and conversations and and uh, talking groups and research and so on. We were just trying to kind of navigate maybe updating the mission of the church and the ministry path and some of those kinds of things and just making sure that the culture was matching what the message was and that the church was operating as it should. And anytime maybe someone's been in a place for 30 and 35 years and you can kind of get into a rut and kind of, are we really doing what we say we're doing is essentially what it was and everything was on the table. And I remember the beginning of all of that and having these strategic planning meetings and uh, going through all of that. It was trying to kind of boil down what really is Lancaster Baptist Church all about? How would we know if Lancaster Baptist Church is being 
successful. We understand uh, certainly faithfulness to the Lord, faithfulness to His Word, those kinds of things. But tangibly, what are we looking for to know that it's healthy and accomplishing what it is that God wants us to do? And I remember Pastor Chapel stating in those early meetings in 2019 emphatically that if we are not producing disciples, we're failing. It doesn't matter how many programs or ministries or conferences or whatever, if we're not producing disciples, we are not doing what we have been commissioned to do. And I've always loved the heartbeat of Lancaster Baptist Church, that it indeed would be a disciple-making factory, that it would be producing committed followers of Christ. And so that's the heartbeat. We certainly heard that in Pastor Chapel session uh, today and some of the steps that are taken to accomplish that. This one then focuses directly and specifically on discipleship. We talked about that assimilation, that you're trying to get them into worship, you're trying to get them into community, uh, which would include a connection group and those kinds of things. But then you're reaching commitment, that third step on the ministry path. And that a big rock in that one is continued discipleship. And we believe in a holistic approach to the Great Commission. We're to go, win, baptize, teach. And we believe that the church should be aggressively working all four. We want to be out in the community reaching people with the gospel. We want to see people saved. We want to see people following the Lord with baptism. But we want to see people rooted and grounded in the Word of God. We want to put as much energy into discipling new converts as we did in reaching people at their door and everything in between. And that holistic approach to the Great Commission and balance thereof is something that God has blessed in a tremendous way here at Lancaster Baptist Church. Now, we're not talking about outreach in this session uh, or winning some to Christ in person evangelism or follow-up and seeing them baptized. We're talking here specifically about discipleship. The theme for that in this ministry is 2 Timothy 2.2 And the things that thou hast heard of me, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And that's the heartbeat of it. What God has given to us we want to instill the faithful people who can turn around and give it to somebody else. This is multiplication, and this is what we want to see in our church and in your church as well. So how do we do that here at Lancaster Baptist Church? Again, very practically. Let's first of all talk uh, this afternoon regarding our curriculum. Now, you don't have to have a curriculum to have discipleship, but I would highly recommend that you do. Uh, and obviously at Lancaster Baptist, we use continue. Uh, Pastor talked about that. They talked about uh, it's getting a, a static facelift on the cover and a few other kind of user-friendly updates that are happening. Uh, but we use continue. We have for several years now. I think we launched this in 2017. As Pastor mentioned, nearly 700 churches across the country are using it. It's a great tool. It's not the only tool. I've got good friends of using other things. The point is use something, all right? Uh, and, and, and a curriculum will help kind of keep things moving and, and uh, on point and so on. Certainly we use continue here. Because we do, let me run through a couple things regarding continue real quick uh, just to maybe answer some questions. Let me give you an overview uh, of the uh, curriculum and uh, inside uh, continue. Uh, sometimes questions that are asked, it's one book. So both the mentor or the discipler, and then the mentee or the disciple, they both get the exact same book. So everybody gets the same book, which makes it really easy when you're logistically executing something like this as far as buying books, giving it to people, things of that nature. Uh, so in the beginning, there's some introduction. It'll kind of help someone maybe who's discipling in your ministry. There's some uh, articles there about mentorship and discipling and how to do all of that. Uh, then it gets into the lessons themselves. 
and uh, kind of walks through uh, the uh, content of a lesson, the introduction. Typically, most of them have three points, subpoints, lots of verses, things like that. Uh, afterwards, there's kind of a wrap-up or an application to it. Uh, and then there's some homework, there's daily reading, uh, there's verses for them to memorize. Uh, there's some articles uh, towards the end, uh, some appendix at the end about maybe scripture memory based on topic. Uh, there is the key. Uh, sometimes people have said, how do we know what the answer is? It's in the back of the book. And uh, we encourage the mentor or the disciple to work ahead. And uh, then obviously for the person you're mentoring or discipling to fill it in as you, as you go along. Uh, but that's all in the back of the book as well. So it's one book for everyone and it works really well. The Continuing Discipleship Curriculum is 14 lessons. Uh, there's no magic number to that. Uh, we used to use daily in the Word. When I went to West Coast Baptist College in 1999 as a Bible college student, and then let's see, I got married my senior year in 2001, my wife and I got to disciple another couple. We got to be involved in the discipleship ministry. We loved that. And back then, uh, it was daily in the Word, and it looked very, very, very different. And there were some things in the reiterations of daily in the Word that just got a little clunky. And so continue was, let's start over, blank canvas, what do we want? And this was an incredible uh, collaborative effort in putting together uh, continue under pastor's leadership and guidance. Um, and so it came down to 14 lessons, uh, and they, they really do build quite well. The, they're succinct and, and all of that. What I would say there regarding the curriculum is it's designed that you could do a lesson in a setting. In other words, if uh, a man is discipling a man, or a lady, a lady, a couple, a couple, whatever the context would be, that you could get through a lesson in one setting. Now I've taken, uh, I've lost count how many people I've taken through continue, but here's what I know. Uh, I've never done 14 weeks, so it's always taken me longer. So uh, it is designed that you can do a lesson a week, but here's what I've learned, and here's what's important, is in discipleship, the person you're discipling sets the pace. In other words, I'm not just trying to finish the book and have a check mark. I'm not just trying to get another graduate, although we want graduates. But I want to make sure that the person I'm discipling is getting it. So the person I'm discipling sets the pace. And what, what I mean by that is every person is different. Their background, uh, the questions they might have, the influences that they've had in their past. So we might get on a uh, chapter on the Word of God, and that may be one where they've got lots of questions, and we need two or three weeks on that. Another person who might fly through that in one particular night. So it just kind of depends on whom you're discipling and what their background or questions may be uh, as it comes to pace. Letting them set the pace is really important. I'll talk about a few things uh, later in, uh, in regards to that. As far as the specific lesson components, again, 14 lessons uh, that kind of cover the basics, the fundamentals of faith that you would want someone to know, and then each lesson, uh, you're going to begin with kind of a review time, uh, that starts in lesson number two, uh, then it gives you a lesson introduction, the, the meat of the lesson, the application, and then some assignments. There's some neat features in Continue, there's uh, conversation starters in the margin, there's Bible reading plans suggested in there, somebody wants to read, uh, maybe just topically through uh, the topic of that chapter, maybe through the New Testament or the Bible in a given year, all those uh, uh, features are in there as well. So, again, we use curriculum, uh, we use continuum, we recommend it, uh, if, if that fits and works for you, great, if you've got another one to use, great, just use something. Have, have some tracks to get the train to the destination is the point. You don't, especially when 
your heart is to get a lot of lay people involved, and I assume it is, it's really important to put something of quality and substance in their hand to equip them for the task at hand. And so uh, having a curriculum that you trust uh, and endorse is going to be really important, and obviously we would recommend continuing. So curriculum. Number two, let's talk about disciples. Uh, where are these people going to come from that we're going to disciple? We, maybe we have a discipleship ministry. We need more people involved. Maybe we want to start a discipleship ministry. Where do we get these people from? Uh, how do we get them enlisted and, and uh, signed up for discipleship? And as Pastor mentioned, with the assimilation and the ministry path here at Lancaster Baptist Church, we're working with new converts, people that have recently uh, been added to the church. This is kind of part of the process for them. So, Letter A, this is going to begin with people who've recently been baptized or recently joined the church. I, I uh, uh, was talking with a brother, talking about ministry in California. Ministry in California is very, very different than in other places. At a church like Lancaster Baptist Church, uh, all of the members that would be added, let's say, in a year like 2022, it might be 10% that are by transfer. The vast majority are reached and baptized here in the local New Testament church. It's just the way it is. Why? Because outside of New Life in Palmdale that we started five years ago, there is no other church like Lancaster Baptist Church in Lancaster and Palmdale, a metropolitan area of 300,000 people. So you don't have transfers and these kinds of things. You're reaching people that maybe are unchurched or in a church that isn't preaching the gospel or something of this nature. So the vast majority are coming in uh, through baptism, they are a new convert, and they are in great need of discipleship. So Lancaster Baptist Church, when someone gets baptized, they are automatically a discipleship prospect. And part of that process that Pastor was talking about, behind the scenes and, and the processes that are happening, is that person is getting contacted the week after they got baptized. And they're getting contacted two ways. They're receiving a letter. Congratulations on baptism, and we'd like to encourage you to personally consider continued discipleship. They're getting a phone call later in the week. Hey, you got baptized. That's awesome. Let me tell you about discipleship. Here's what it is. Do you have an interest in that? And we'd like to help you take that step if you'd like to do that. So we're looking for people recently that to the church. So to be, we're looking for people who've indicated an interest. Now, we try to have several opportunities for them to communicate their interest to us uh, regarding discipleship, like when they visit the church and they fill out a connect card. How did you hear about the church? What's your name and address? What are you interested in? Maybe I'm interested in a relationship with Jesus. Maybe I'm interested in discipleship. And some people might indicate their very first visit. I'd like to get in discipleship. Gabe, do you make sure that if they say that, that they first get saved and then baptized and any connection groups and all these kinds of things before you talk to them about discipleship? No, we don't. If they indicate they're interested in discipleship, we're talking about discipleship right away because they're interested. Strike while the fire is hot and they get them in, in, into discipleship. Why? Because I already know when we get into discipleship, we're going to talk about a relationship with the Lord. We're going to talk about baptism. We're going to talk about all those things. And it's really cool to see someone get involved in discipleship because they wanted discipleship, even if they didn't know what it meant. And then to watch as they go through that journey, then come to know the Lord and get baptized and all those other steps will take care of themselves as you go through discipleship. So if they're indicating an interest, uh, we want to pursue that person. That can happen their very first visit. Pastor mentioned the core new members class today, and that's another kind of setting where we'll really put the hooks on the water for discipleship 
getting people assimilated into this ministry from uh, that pool as well. Let us see. Connection group leaders put in list people in discipleship. Uh, Lancaster Baptist Church is kind of structured through the adult smaller groups. So those smaller group leaders, as they're working with people, uh, they no doubt are going to have people that they want to see get involved in discipleship. And so they organically can just begin to step that up through that class, and then the discipleship ministry can partner with them, or at least that's how it works here. Uh, so they often are very involved. But indeed, the only thing I would say here when you're talking about disciples is you want to get committed people. Now, sometimes we set ourselves up for failure because we do not explain what it is up front. Because we want people in it. So we kind of sugarcoat what it is. And then we get people in it. So that we can say we got more people in it. And I made that mistake. So here's what I learned. You can get a lot of people in it. But you're partnering those people with other people in the church. And if you're getting people in discipleship who don't stick with it. And they fizz out and they quit. Or they don't come. Or they're not committed. What I learned early on was... You're going to frustrate your lay people who are discipling and mentoring. Because they're going to show up all excited. I get to do this. And then their person didn't show up tonight. And they're just sitting there. Or their person hasn't shown up, you know, two out of the last four weeks. Or they've only got through less than five and they don't really know if they want to continue. Or And I got tired of those stories. And then we ramped up. Let's make sure we're talking about discipleship to really explain this is a commitment. This is a commitment to gather every single week and to get into God's Word. It's good. I tell people, it's going to take you a minimum of 20 weeks to get through this. So think about that for a minute. Are you ready and willing to make a 20-week commitment? You know what's interesting? I'm trying to remember right now where I was. Oh, Friday. My wife and I were having a meeting uh, with a lady, Catherine Edson, and uh, she joined our church on Sunday. And uh, she said, I was saved and baptized at a... Uh, Baptist Church in the Bay Area. She's uh, in her late 60s now. She's a nurse in the hospital where I pastor now. And uh, she said, I've been to Baptist churches in Oklahoma, but I've been away from uh, the Baptist Church, but I really sense God wanted me to get back and to my roots and get back to the preaching of God's Word. She will say, she did say, but I will, however, tell you this. And I forget what church she was in. It was a, uh, it was a non-denominational, you know, meet once a week kind of thing. But she did say this. She said, Pastor, but you know what I did from there? She said they offered a Life of Christ class that lasted for two years. And you had to commit to an hour and a half every Tuesday night for two years to go through it. And they went through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And she said, I did that, and it revolutionized my life. And I thought it's kind of sad <laughs> that she got saved and baptized at Baptist Church in the Bay Area. It was the Baptist churches in the state of Oklahoma. But her greatest moment of growth was at a different kind of church, but that challenged her to commit to a time to come to just learn God's Word. And it was another affirmation in my mind of don't undersell it. Explain what it is. Explain the cost of it. Jesus was not ashamed of that. Uh, if you're not going to leave father and mother, if you're not going to count the cost, you're certainly not going to follow me. So don't undersell it. Make sure you explain. This is what discipleship is. It's a commitment. Are you on board? And you're going to find, if you will explain it up front, you're going to get more graduates. You're not going to frustrate your lay people who are discipling. 
a little thing I learned was this little first step for new believers. Now, uh, I, by conviction, give this little book to every single person that I have the privilege of leading to the Lord. I took Matt uh, Egan out last Friday, and uh, he's an electrician, and we met at a coffee shop, and we began to talk, and he grew up Catholic, and getting of the Lord, and I had the privilege of sharing the gospel with him, and he played the step Christ the Savior, and I said, Matt, we're not talking to the church. Did you follow me to the church right now? He said, sure, Pastor. I said, we went to the church, and I got him a Bible, and I got this book. And I put it in his hand, and I did what I always do, and I kind of explained it to him. And I enjoy giving this book to someone who accepts Christ because it helps them kind of get rooted and grounded right away. But you know what I learned in overseeing discipleship? Was when I had someone I didn't know whether or not they were committed, committed, I would give them this. And I would say, you know what this is? This is like an on-ramp for discipleship. It's meant to be done on your own. It's 13 short chapters, and every blank in here you're going to find in the Bible. And I would teach them how to do it, and I would give it to them and say, now you give it to me when you're done with this, we're going to go over that, and I'm going to get you into discipleship. And I found that people who wouldn't do this would never finish discipleship. So it was a good litmus test to help me find out if they were committed or not, and that was helpful. I hope it might be helpful to you. So we're talking about curriculum. We're talking about disciples. Who are we taking to? Then let's certainly talk about the disciple learners or the mentors who are going to be taking uh, these people through uh, continued discipleship or whatever uh, curriculum you may have. A couple thoughts here, letter A. Someone who first has completed your discipleship program. Uh, now, I see several pastors in the room and some I've talked with over the years about, okay, I want to get discipleship started at my church. How do I start? And sometimes the pastor will choose to maybe take a handful of people with himself and maybe an hour before church or meeting after church or something during the week. And they might go through discipleship at, at breakneck speed. They might do the, the 14 lessons in 7 or 5 or something like that. But still, where the pastor is sharing his heart and explaining, how do I want this done? And what do I want you to emphasize? And how are we going to handle this or that? Or whatever the case may be. And you kind of get your initial beginning of disciplers, and then it's multiplication thereafter. Here at Lancaster Baptist Church, of course, it's been established for a while, so nobody disciples anybody who's not yet been through continue here at Lancaster Baptist Church. Letter B, we really strive for someone to be in the same connection group. That's not a must. There's not a chapter and verse for that. Uh, but there's a lot of reasons we do it. We like the people uh, partnered together for discipleship from the same adult Sunday school class. And the reason we do that is because it's very easy to pair them up. Uh, we know this person, they're getting into church, we need to know a little bit about them, and we think this person in their class would be a good fit. It's easy to pair up, it's e easy to manage, it's easy to administrate in this way. It also helps to develop a relationship that will last once they complete discipleship, they're still going to see each other in class and activities and things of that nature. So that has helped. The other perk that we like about it is the person who's discipling this new convert. It's amazing what comes up in those weekly sessions. I mean, you're supposed to be talking about what it is that you feel with the Spirit. They want to know, what do we do with Johnny, who's three years old and, you know, we think is demon-possessed or something. I mean, there's all kinds of questions and things that come up in discipleship. And as they develop a relationship, they'll ask all kinds of stuff. Well, we want those disciples to go to their teacher with that information. We want to make sure that the leader, the teacher, is well aware of uh, spiritual status, needs, those kinds of things. And so again, just logistically through the class has really helped uh, with a lot of that. So they've completed discipleship themselves. They're in the same adult connection group. And then let her see, and important, someone who can teach doctrine and also be a friend and a mentor. Um, 
Honestly, the best disciples are both. Uh, there, we had some people that they were amazing teachers, but they were relationally awkward. And it just didn't work. Um, it, it just didn't happen. And then we had people that, I mean, they were relationally incredible, but we never got around to anything from continuing. I mean, just, you know, they were having lots of fun, but we never got anything done. You need, you need both. You need the mix. And you want to really discern. Uh, I'm putting people in this role that can teach truth and teach doctrine and hold their own and defend faith and those kinds of things, but also they get the relational side, that this is a relationship building opportunity, this is taking someone under my wing, this is those kinds of things as well, and understanding the need for both is really important when you're thinking about your disciplers, you're developing this ministry, a curriculum, who are we going to be discipling, who's going to be doing the discipling, then number four, let's talk about the discipling itself. What actually happens during this meeting? When is the meeting? What happens? How does it run? Those kinds of things. And again, I know this is super practical, but hopefully it's helpful. Letter A. When does it take place? When do you uh, do discipleship at Lancaster Baptist Church? Now, I'm going to give you the answer, and I'm going to tell you uh, something. It happens Wednesday night, and that's actually happening here, resuming a week from tomorrow night. Uh, so the uh, 28th. That will actually happen because it was Wednesday night, you know, uh, since uh, we got off the boat. But uh, then something COVID happened. <laughs> and uh, then when COVID happened, we did the discipleship from living rooms on computers. And then I did two different couples from beginning to end without ever meeting one time in person. It was all over Zoom. Uh, and again, Southern California was kind of a different animal when it came to that. But you had to do what you had to do. And what we found was leading into COVID, 70 to 75 percent of everyone at the Sabbath at Lancaster Baptist Church met on Wednesday night at 7 in an organized meeting. 25 to 30 percent maybe couldn't because of their swing shift or whatever place may be, and so they would meet during the week and uh, maybe in a home or a coffee shop or whatever. What we found after COVID was that flip, that trying to bring something back all together, we were only getting 20 to 30 percent of the people. The vast majority were staying on an alternate schedule just kind of whenever they could during the week. Now, a lot of effort has been put in to kind of getting that back to centralize, and uh, that's going to be resuming again a week from tomorrow night at 7 o'clock here at Lancaster Baptist Church each week. And so uh, you want to have a weekly meeting. And I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why, but I want to say this to those of you in the room. Uh, who are going to be the discipleship leader of your church, staff, lay person. It doesn't matter. Something I learned is something you need to know. You've got to advocate for your area of ministry. Okay? Uh, why is that? Because it's very easy to lose in the minutia of ministry how often something is really happening. And a report that I gave Pastor Chapel uh, around October of every year was Pastor if the church calendar stays as it is, here's how many times we will not be in discipleship in the new year. And I would put it right in front of them. What was I doing? I was advocating we need to change that. Why? Because I knew if we're going to help young, new, brand new converts grow, they can't be meeting one week, not meeting one week, meeting one week, not meeting one week, over here, over there. Now, you're going to have a week like this where... You're going to get trumped, and everybody's going to go spiritual leadership. It is what it is. But I would try, out of 52 weeks, to keep the times we missed to five or less. Uh, so I was trying for 10% only. 
uh, and in a ministry that's got a lot going on, man, you gotta you gotta fight for that. You gotta advocate. And so be passionate about your area of ministry and uh, strive for consistency because what you'll find is that's how new people grow. When it's just consistent and they can count on it and it's going to happen just like the sun's going to come up tomorrow morning. Okay? Uh, so Wednesday nights at 7. Now where does it take place? Uh, we, we, we use a room actually in this building. I think some things are uh, potentially changing uh, a week from uh, uh, tomorrow night. But we, we try to set tables and chairs. We kind of like it to be a cafe style setting. People are going to get a cup of coffee. It's a little more casual in nature. And uh, sitting around a table and enjoying studying in God's Word. So if you want the room to feel a little different. Um, you want it to feel like there was something intentionally done in this room to prepare for discipleship. People having Bibles, people having books, uh, people needing to write and those kinds of things. It would be awkward to do it in a room like this or whatever. So set up and anticipate for that will immensely help. The other thing and the reason we push the corporate meeting is because of the child care. Uh, one of the things we found during COVID was not everybody wanted to come on Wednesday night at 7, but then, well, we'll meet at your house. Well, we'll meet at your house. Well, if they're, if they're families... Trying to concentrate on God's word while, you know, Sally's being up Bobby or whatever. I mean, it just was a nightmare. And so having an opportunity every week where you can offer child care really is a blessing during the midweek service. And um, that's how it's done here and it's worked out really well. Let us see what happens during that meeting, specifically the time that we spend in the meeting. How does that look? Let me just give you kind of a suggested agenda. Let me preface it by saying this. I've been to churches where everybody meets in the auditorium, we all sing, we take the offering, and then people discipleship leave. You can certainly do that at Lancaster Baptist Church. They just go to discipleship first thing. So church and the main auditorium starts at 7 p.m. Discipleship starts at 7 p.m. And one of the associate pastors stands and, hey, welcome to discipleship. Thanks for being faithful and being here tonight. He might cover any announcements or something that the pastor would want covered in that setting. And then he will pray and we're right into discipleship. So by 701 or 702, they're right in doing what I'm about to tell you for the next 60 minutes. We would encourage him for the first five minutes to take some time just to relate. How are you doing? How was your week? How are things going? Just relationally get a touch. Get a connection to get the time together. Uh, now you'll have some people, they can do that for 55 minutes. So you're encouraging them, give me five of that and we got to get into it, all right? Then take 10 minutes to review. So after you've had one week under your belt, then the next week, hey, uh, did you do your homework? Did you do your readings? Did you answer your questions? Did you memorize your verse? Awesome. Let's hear you say it. Oh, great job. And review. Did you have any questions from any of that? Are we in good shape? Okay. Then I'm getting into the teaching of the lesson. Again, about 40 minutes there that I'm going to have to teach. And so I've got to stay uh, on track. Uh, I've got to move through the material. Again, discerning if there's a question or something we need to deal with and we need to deal with it. Uh, but I want to make sure I'm taking time uh, to teach as we go along. And then about the last five minutes to kind of wrap up and assign any homework and to make sure that they know what is expected of them uh, during the week. And so uh, I would uh, be done teaching uh, this lesson maybe on uh, the local church in week number nine. Uh, we would finish and then I would draw the net through the application and teach them that. And then I would say, okay, here's your assignment. We want you to write out Hebrews 10.25, memorize that verse. We're going to quote it next week. Then we've got four daily readings about the local New Testament church. And then on day five are the questions that go with this on page 201 and 202. So I want to encourage you this week to do a daily reading each day. 
uh, answer those questions, memorize that verse, and then next week, we're going to go over that before we get started. You are going to be here next week, right? So I want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping up. I'm assigning homework and making sure there's clarity. I'm seeking a commitment from them. You're going to be here next week because I'm going to be able to make sure you're here and I want to make sure there's clarity. You know what we're going to go over when we meet next week. I don't want to meet next week and be like, well, I didn't know you wanted me to read that or answer those questions or memorize that verse. I want to make sure they know. So I want to make sure it's real clear uh, and, and giving that to them. Let me say this uh, quickly regarding the time together as well. You may have someone you're discipling or someone, one of your disciples is taking through, and they always have questions, you know, like, what does the red moon mean, or, you know, whatever, they just, they're coming in every week, and they've got some crazy question, and we've had to train our disciples, hey, tonight we're talking about the local church, or whatever, and to say, that's a great question, we'll get to that as we go through this curriculum, tonight let's talk about this, and kind of bring it back, sometimes you've got someone that you're discipling, that it, it, it can be all over the place, and take three years, if you don't stay focused, so it's going to take some discernment to know, boy, they're really struggling with whether or not we have God's inspired, preserved word. We need to nail that down. This is just kind of an off-the-wall thing they read in Fox News and they want to know about it. We can talk about that later. So, some discernment there would help. Letter D, what should happen between the meetings? Well, certainly the person who's being discipled is being encouraged to uh, go over the lesson, to do the daily readings, to do the homework, answer the questions, memorize the verse, etc. Uh, the person who's doing the discipling should be praying for them and stay connected and encourage them, provoking them to love and good works. It's, it's a, a back and forth relationship for sure. Letter E, you want to be looking for opportunities to fellowship together outside of the weekly meeting and encourage our disciples and mentors here. Don't let discipleship be your only point of contact. Uh, we encourage them in that 14 to 20 week journey, come to your home. Uh, go sewing together. Uh, get involved in leadership conference and serving bottles of water together or whatever. Uh, have an opportunity for fellowship and serving is really important. We had a great session on that this morning. And then letter F for pastors or those overseeing it, follow up and ask in peace. We've always treated discipleship here at Lancaster Baptist Church as its own Sunday school class. That sounds weird, but we, we manage it or we administrate it the same way. So just as Brother Lennon would teach his couple's class, and if he had an absentee, he would write them or call them or visit them or steward them. He's not going to just let it happen and not do anything about it. Well, same thing with the discipleship director, which was me. If somebody's going to be in discipleship and then all of a sudden they're not there, I need to do something about that. I need to write them or call them or text them. Or, hey, you pants. It might have just been a week because they were sick or out of town or whatever, but it might turn into a couple weeks where I need to go visit and find out what's going on. But somebody needs to own it. Uh, and manage it and steward it and uh, guide it. And so you want to make sure if you're setting this up or if you have it set up, it has an owner because things without an owner can get messy really fast. And if I can start doing that, which is right in their own eyes. So make sure it has an owner and then make sure that owner is following up an absentee and encouraging them to stay faithful. So we've got our curriculum. We've got the people we're discipling. We've got the people who are doing the discipling. We've got what we're doing when we're meeting together. Fifthly and lastly, let's talk about the graduates. That's the whole point, right? Uh, Paul said, I travail in birth again. I'm going back again, Paul said. Again, again, and again. Why, Paul? Why are you doing that? Until Christ be formed in you. We want committed followers of Christ. We want graduates uh, from this. And I'm not saying uh, just because someone completes the 14 lessons in this book that they are forever going to be a committed follower of Christ in your church. I wish that were true. We're not batting a thousand. Okay, it's helpful. It's it's a great tool. We believe in it. We're doing it, but 
you know, Gabe, have you ever discipled someone who is no longer uh, behaving according to the spirit filling and God's word? Yes, that is true. That has happened to me. So maybe I'm the only failure in the room. I don't know. Uh, but it has happened to me. So you're not going to bat a thousand, but we're excited about graduates and what God would do. A couple thoughts. What do we do with the graduates? Letter A, we recognize and honor them on Wednesday night. There will be a certificate on the pulpit. Pastor will come up with the preliminaries, and he will say, so-and-so is here tonight, and they just completed. Continue discipleship. Let's take this certificate to them, and let's congratulate them and welcome them now to the midweek Bible study, or Fresh Encounter, as it's called here now, as it's going forward. And so there's a public recognition for them in a service, and that's a great thing because they've not been in midweek service because of discipleship. Now they're graduating into the midweek service, so it's a great bridge to get them there, to recognize them, to reward them, to honor them on that accomplishment, and then for the church family around them, be like, hey, let's welcome this person. We're going to see them every Wednesday moving forward. The other thing we did, we also recognized them in their connection group, and I felt like that was important because it elevated discipleship in the class. So we did a certificate of completion in the midweek service, but then in their connection group, uh, we did a, a gift card to our a coffee shop, the Great Awakening. So we give them a, co- uh, a, a, a gift card, and, we, and that was just a way of saying, hey, congratulations, way to go in finishing the job. But I always felt like that recognition of the connection group was important because other people are like, hey, I want that coffee card. How did that guy get there? What did he just do? I want to be told I did a good job. you know. And it just perked the interest, or it encouraged people in my class who were in discipleship, and maybe they're on lesson eight and kind of wondering if I'm going to finish or not, kind of encouraging them to over uh, the hump and keep going. So we did it in both, the music service and in the class. Letter B, we assimilate them into ministry. Lesson 10 and continuous, all about spiritual gifts, discover them, develop them, deploy them in the body life of the church. Uh, when they completed lesson 10, we gave them a spiritual gifts test. Their disciples helped them to fill that out. They turned it in. Uh, we discern where they get it. We discern where they're interested in serving. And then we might go to the choir director and say, hey, this is Bob and Sue. They're on Lesson 11 now in discipleship, and they want to be choir members. What's happening between Lesson 11 and Lesson 14? The choir director's reaching out to them. Heard that you're interested. Can we meet? He's setting up an appointment. At the appointment, here's all the criteria and standards to be involved in the choir. Pray about that. They pray about it. The next week, he's connecting again. What are you thinking? Man, I think the Lord wants us to do that. We're on board. Great. Come to the practice next Sunday. What did we strive for? We strive for, by the time I got to lesson 14, and they were graduating, they were seamlessly going into ministry. Uh, and, and our goal was, we want to pump 100 to 150 new adults into ministry in the body life of Lancaster Baptist Church, solely through continued discipleship. Uh, so they've been rooted in the ground in God's Word, and now we are putting them into the ministry, and they're getting involved in the bus routes and central classes, the choir, the ushers, etc., 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 through that. So lesson 10 kind of kicked that off, spiritual gift test, ministry, uh, meeting with the leader, and then getting involved uh, in that way. Letter C, you want to encourage faithfulness and continued spiritual growth. Again, they're transitioning to the midweek service. I don't know about you, most churches for Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, they only take attendance by headcount. So you want to make sure those people who finished discipleship are still in the connection group or were taking attendance by name. And you want to make sure they're getting involved in ministry because you don't want someone to fall through the cracks. So you want to encourage uh, continued growth and faithfulness in many ways of this nature. And then letter D, you often are cultivating a future disciple. Someone who has completed discipleship. And uh, some were ready. Uh, I remember Jonathan and Jordan Augustine that I discipled. I think I finished with him one week and the next week or a couple weeks after that, 
boom, he was taking somebody else and they were going through. Uh, sometimes people took longer. Sometimes that just wasn't the ministry for them. And uh, they'd rather go rent on a bus or whatever. But it was a beautiful thing uh, to see the multiplication of somebody who has been through continuing, now taking somebody else to continue. And that's one of the beautiful things about that ministry. It's 12.28. Lunch is at 12.30, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And if you're like, i got to go eat, then go eat. If you're like, I had a question, then I'm going to stay. I'll be the last person in the room and I'll answer it. And uh, that way we can answer any questions you might have. But for those of you that are like, I do not want to hear five questions. I want to go eat. I'm going to, I'm going to bless you right now and let you go. So let's pray, and then we'll let you go to lunch, and I'll stay if you have a question. Heavenly Father, we love you, and we thank you, Lord, for a great day and a wonderful start to the conference. Uh, the challenge this morning about the culture of our church, and I pray, Lord, that we would eat it, that we would have the heart of that centurion, and that we would collaborate together for the gospel ministry. And Lord, in this very practical session, as we've looked at discipleship, I pray that every church represented would have a vibrant, effective discipleship ministry. And I pray that something very practically, very simply shared in this session would help them, equip them, and encourage them in that pursuit. I pray that you bless now this food to our bodies and our fellowship, some refreshment time this afternoon, and then your hands of touch on the service tonight at 6.30 we pray. And we'll thank you and praise you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks for being here. Or lunch, rather, is over in the Walter Center. I'll be up here if you have a question.